You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10x your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey everyone, this week we're giving away a one-year subscription to pushlink.com, P-U-S-H-L-Y-N-K. It's valued at about 600 bucks. Pushlink allows you to send push notifications to your subscribers on almost any platform. The fact is push notifications get about 10 times the response rate when compared to traditional email. For a chance to win, subscribe to the podcast, then take a quick snapshot or picture showing you're subscribed and text it to 716-218-8981 or you can email it to growthexperts at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And today, again, we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Zach Cornett, and he's the co-founder and COO of Squared, which is a digital retail marketing firm that specializes in Amazon. The company works with brands like Sovereign Silver, Ascent Protein, Freeze Sleeve, Tiger Tail, Dr. Mercola, and more. So today is a first. We're going to talk about the 800-pound gorilla also known as Amazon. So welcome to the show, Zach. Thank you, Dennis. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you being on here. And again, no pressure, but you're the first person to kind of become that expert on Amazon. And when I thought about it, you were the first guy that came to mind. You know, we met several years ago. You had a booming business then, and it's done nothing but grow since then. So do my audience a huge favor and just tell us a little bit about what you got going on over there at Squared. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you that I didn't start out being an expert on Amazon. It definitely was a trial by fire process, as I think most businesses are. But yeah, so what we have going on is we basically represent brands on Amazon. Usually they're they're established brands and we are their arm. We take care of all of their Amazon marketing. We take care of their listings. We take care of strategies and we do it from a very unique angle because we don't necessarily do it like a agency would. We don't charge for anything. We simply just buy their product and retail it, but we work with them very closely. So, you know, I know all these brands, you know, the owners of them, we work very closely. And yeah, so we we make sure their brand is represented on Amazon the way you would find it in a, um, in a retail shop. So it's a wholesale to retail type of relationship, but obviously a lot closer because these are established brands. So, it, you know, you're you're putting, you know, the fa- you're the face of the brand on Amazon, really. Yeah, exactly. And we got started, be- you know, we didn't always, businesses don't always stay in the same, you know, vein, you know, through the whole life cycle. Uh, we got started selling in 2010. So things have changed dramatically since 2010 on Amazon to where it is now. And so we really positioned ourselves to say, okay, what, what are the biggest pain points that, you know, big brands are having on Amazon in this increasingly more digital space and where, you know, some brick and mortars are, are really struggling. So, you know, how do we help those brands navigate that space when that's not really their bread and butter? Yeah. So, you know, you bring up a really good point. And before the interview, you know, you can't help hear about how retailers are, are literally dropping like flies. I mean, the most recent one, you know, that's notable is obviously Toys R Us, right? So Toys R Us going out of business. And so based upon your experience and what you just said, which is everything changing so rapidly, 
with everything that you're seeing, what do you see as the future of selling on Amazon? How is it going to change? Because it's getting more and more crowded. So my gut tells me it's going to get harder. Is it not? I think that generally speaking, yes, it is going to get harder to sell on Amazon. But there's also a lot of opportunities that create that get created there because everyone is flooding to a one platform market. And because anyone can get on there. I mean, it does, it does create a lot of opportunities for the, the movers and shakers that want to, that really want to enter a space. I mean, recently, I know we've worked with a company that went into a space that was gargantuan, has been gargantuan for a long time, but they had a very specific business model. They knew exactly what they wanted to accomplish and they penetrated and they're, they're doing well. So yeah, I think, I think it is going to be harder for, you know, the people that just want to hop on and get a sale on Amazon. But I think for any business, there's always going to be opportunity there to grow. Yeah, make it it getting increasingly complex and difficult is an advantage for you, a guy who's, you know, weathered and has been through those changes, has already knows the work the strategies that are working. You have your hands on it, you know how it's changing, so you can change with the environment. Someone that's just coming out of the box, like if I decided to just start selling a product on Amazon, you know, it might be a little bit more challenging. So I think someone like yourself who's positioned, you know, as as a digital retail expert, right? I think you have a huge advantage and I think that just just my take on it, right? But I think that's a huge leverage point for you with brands going forward because again, you know, bringing that type of expertise in house is not an easy thing to do. So, kudos to you for being kind of ahead of the curve there. So, tell me a little bit about if you could can we pivot a little bit and tell me you know, you started this back in 2010. When you started, were you selling your own products? Were you doing this brand thing? How did that kind of evolve from start to the brand component that you have now? Sure. Well, back in 2010, I was still in college. and uh, Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's taken on a few different hats for sure since then. And we were just retailing products, any, any products that we could find. So we weren't selling our own brand. I didn't have my own brand at all. Back in 2010, it was, you could pretty easily acquire any product line that you wanted and, and start selling it online. And those companies had no way of monitoring that. They didn't really care if you were selling it on Amazon. So really anybody and the brother could, could get a product line and start selling it, selling it on Amazon. And, and these, the people that were doing that were really selling a lot, a lot of units. And so it kind of, as time went on, you know, through 2012, 2013, these brands started waking up and realizing, holy cow, a lot of our volume is going through Amazon and we have no control over it. So that's where we kind of started positioning ourselves to say, okay, well, how do we really, how do we become more than just a retailer for these brands, but really become a brand partner in this space? So that way they can focus on what they do best, which is growing their brands, maybe in the brick and mortars, you know, through digital ads, through TV, through whatever. And how do we just lock down the Amazon space for them? Because at that time, the biggest problem is just, you know, price arbitrage. You know, you'll, you'll, you have, well, you have Amazon arbitrage, but you've got situations where a product should be selling at, at $60 and it's selling at $30 on Amazon. So, you know, you walk into a store, you scan a barcode on the wall and you're like, oh my gosh, I can buy it on Amazon for $30 cheaper. Well, that really hurts the brick and mortar. The brick and mortar is, is the asset that this brand had to grow its business. So the brands themselves very much wanted to protect them. And that's kind of where we position ourselves for growth to where we are now. Okay, cool. So so how did that first client come to be, that first brand client? Can you share with me kind of the process or how you, did you proactively go out to them? Was it a chance meeting? Did you stumble upon it? What brought that first client on 
and tell us a quick story about how that progressed and maybe what the benefit to that client was. Sure. Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> we, all of the above, we kind of fell into it actually. So we were, like I said, we were just retelling that product on Amazon. There was really no value that we were giving that brand other than the fact that we paid them promptly. So when we bought it, we paid them off very fast. You know, our interactions with that brand were very upbeat, clean. You know, we, we made friendships within, you know, the buying team of that company. And when they decided and they woke up one day and decided, oh my gosh, you know, we need to clean up our Amazon and we're going to do that proactively on our end by basically just cutting off everyone that's not bringing us value or that we don't like working with. So my brother, Chad, got a call out of the blue and, you know, the, the company said, hey, by the way, we're going to we're basically going to cut everyone off and we're only going to sell to you guys because we really like working with you. And that was it. That was kind of the spark that ignited. Oh, my gosh, like this is where we need to take all of our brands. Perfect. So so that's when you started to pivot away from just retailing any product you could find an arbitrage on to focusing in on the brands, right? And so from there, you've brought a bunch of brands on. So tell me this, now that you landed that first one, they kind of came to you because of a previous relationship and some expertise that you showed and the way you operated. How do you get clients now? I mean, how do new brands find you or how do you find them? Great question. Mainly, our most successful way of getting new clients is, is really just referrals because it's very difficult. And when there's a crowded space, we talk about a crowded space, there's a very crowded space for people to try and acquire brands and bring them into their company to do you know, kind of what we do. But the way we do it is because we work with the brands that we already work with and just ask for referrals. We'll maybe go, we'll go to a trade show and we'll, you know, work with a client that we've, you know, been with for five years and just say, hey, you know, there's a few other clients that we want to work with as well, potentially at this show, you know, would you mind giving us an introduction? Uh, we do a lot of that because our business model faces brands specifically, and the best referral is someone that's already worked with you and their recommendation. So that's got us in the door. It's been really, really successful for us. So is your model to scale it where you have thousands of brands, or are you going to be much more selective and work with a small handful of really targeted brands? I mean, what, what's the business model moving forward for Squared? Another great question. I would say we're not looking for thousands of brands. We're looking for, for brands that, that are good fit. Uh, we can sell anything. I mean, we sell anything, everything from bed frames to pillows to, to supplements. So it's not so much necessarily a model of you know, what we're selling as it is the partnership and the brand direction itself and what their goals are on Amazon. You know, there's a lot of different ways to sell and we like making sure that it's a good company fit all the way around from both personnel to what the assets that that company has to what assets we have. Otherwise, it, you know, long term, it's just not going to be a good fit. And, and then honestly, too, it has to be a good product fit. You know, there are products that you can retail on Amazon, but you're not going to really be able to sell well on Amazon or use advertising well to sell it because it's just a different type of product. Gotcha. And usually those usually those products are, are higher dollar products or really heavy products things that just don't really fit well in the, um, in that space. Okay, great. So listen, I'm going to make the assumption here that somebody is listening to this podcast. One of my listeners, somebody in the audience now or in the future has a product and you know, it's maybe it's an established brand. It might be smaller and growing, but they really want to get it on Amazon and it's, they're just not hitting the mark on Amazon. Can you share maybe a little bit of the secret sauce, a little bit of strategy or some tips on how they could speed up the learning curve and start making, you know, start really generating some sales on Amazon. If it's just a few, few of those tips that I know you hold close to your vest. 
Sure. Well, I guess let me ask you a question then. Do you feel like this product would be, you know, a, un- a very unique product or a product that you could genuinely find anywhere? Let's assume that it's a product you could find anywhere. Okay. I would say for a product that you can find anywhere, then you're really going to want to make a value play with it and really position yourself as, as the brand of a product that I could get, you know, at Walmart or, or even on Amazon, you know, and a, a very, very, very similar like product that I could find on Amazon. You know, I would say that you, you're going to have to, it's a price game. So I think that if you're trying to acquire a customer, you need to know what, what the value of that customer is and maybe use a product like that to sell them on another product and, and kind of stay within your same niche. So staying in very similar categories is a good place to be. So you can have one, you can have one product that you generate your customers with that you then sell other products down the road. I would say that usually a maybe a spin off of a really good product like that is different. So like it's a let's say you're selling a bag, but the best selling bag on Amazon has four pockets. Well, I think that it would make a lot of sense to make a bag that has eight pockets, double the pockets, change the color, change the maybe the, the handle. So there's a lot of ways to make a product that's very similar, but that's very different too. And that's probably where I would try and suggest you position your product versus making something that's the exact same. Because I think that primarily is where the opportunities are going to die. You're not going to find, you know, the same white. There are, with supplements, it's a little bit different. But with products that are more like bags, I think if you're just knocking off the same bag that everyone's seen a hundred times, it's going to be harder and harder to make that a successful business model. Right. Because everybody's white labeling it from the same manufacturer in China or overseas anyways, right? Yeah. For the most part, they really are. I think with supplements, again, that's a little bit different animal because usually maybe that's got a personality around them. And usually that mark, sometimes that market is educated. Sometimes it doesn't. It really just depends on the audience that's buying it. So let's certainly with, with products that are um, very practical, like, like a bag, you know, you can kind of view it right out of the gate for what it is. That's the kind of thing you would want to make very unique. So let's dive down one layer beyond that. Let's peel the onion back a little bit further as opposed to just that strategy, which is great because, and I think that makes a whole lot of sense. What you just said was piggybacking off a similar product or selling another product and then setting them up for the future product. That's, those are great strategies. Let's get a little more tactical. So what's really driving sales today on Amazon? I mean, I know that they have pay-per-click. I know they have, there's SEO involved. You know, what are the tactics that are driving the traffic for the brands that you guys are representing that are doing so well? Good question. So it's not going to be, first of all, you have to take advantage of everything that Amazon has to offer. If you're not doing that, I mean, that's like the basics. So you have to be doing headline ads on Amazon. You have to be doing sponsored products on Amazon, product display ads on Amazon. You need to have a fully optimized listing. You want to have, you know, all the photos that you can have. You want to have a video, an optimized title. You want to have, you know, complete content. They call it enhanced brand content. You want to have all of those things on your listing so that way when people land that they're going to convert. You know, it's just like Amazon doesn't give you much space to sell your product. So the space that they do give you, you need to maximize. So that's kind of what we help brands do out of the gate. And then from there, it's a matter of what traffic you're going to send to it, both from on Amazon and outside of Amazon. And I would say there's a lot of strategy on Amazon themselves. You know, you need to do a lot of keyword search, similar to where you would do it on Google back in the day, uh, even now. But I would say the primary driver outside of Amazon would be Facebook. That a lot of people are, are driving very successful traffic from Facebook to Amazon and, and, getting, and getting a lot of sales. So I would say those two. 
So is that, is that organic Facebook or is that more Facebook, you know, paid advertising? What do you, what do you see how working best there? Well, I think paid Facebook ads are, are the, it's like, you know, using a sniper, <laughs> the sniper approach, which is always, is always nice because it's able to, you're able to control your variables a little easier. Amazon does such a good job of making sure that you don't really know what conversions came where. So they, you know, there are, there are little tactics you can use to try and measure that, but they make it very difficult to measure, you know, what traffic's working, what traffic's not. So you really have to keep good eyes. And I think that if you're just using like more of general blog post style, driving traffic to your Amazon listing, that's tough to measure. But if you use more of the specific paid ads on Facebook to Amazon, then it makes it easier to, to measure that kind of success. Sure. So Amazon, what I've seen and what we're kind of talking about now is that in addition to Amazon becoming a marketplace for buyers and sellers to come where they take a piece of each transaction, they're really becoming a media company, aren't they? I mean, from what I've read and the little bit of research that I could do on it, you know, they're doing millions and millions and potentially going to be billions of dollars in advertising. So, and a lot of that's fed by the machine itself as brands like, you know, you and, and the other companies that you represent. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I mean, the more people come on that platform, just like on Google, just like on Facebook, the cost of that ad is going to get more and more expensive. It just stands to reason, right? Yeah, we've seen ads definitely increase. I mean, since we started with, you know, headline ads, we've been here, we were selling on Amazon before there were headline ads, before there were product display ads, you know, even when they first, you know, starting to introduce sponsor product ads. I mean, I remember hearing when, when just selling FBA first just got, you know, released. So it's because the volume is, is becoming just huge from everywhere and everyone wants to buy this traffic because they know all of their buyers are hanging out on Amazon. I mean, you hang out on Amazon, I'm on Amazon, everybody is on Amazon buying things. So if you want to sell something, you need to go where the buyers are and that's where the ads are. And Amazon has done a fantastic job of cornering that market. So yeah, the ad spend is going to continue to increase, but you know, it's still not that bad. I mean, if you have a product, again, if you have a good product selling at a competitive price point that is really bringing people value, I don't, there is no no limit to the amount of money that I would spend on an ad that is that is even just breaking even. Even if I'm just generating customers, you're generating customers that you know have never been in your funnel before. So I think it's still very, very competitive, very um what's the word I'm looking for? Worthwhile, you know, to pay that kind of money on Amazon. So and yeah, you're right though. They're gonna own a huge market share of being able to throttle your your ads. And actually you just thinking of something the other thing that's very interesting about Amazon, which is very different from Google and Facebook, is they throttle your ads. So like if your product doesn't sell very well, but yet you're bidding like, let's say, $20 for a click. I mean, you could, you could say that you want to bid $20 for a click. I mean, you never want to because it's ridiculously high. But Amazon won't even allow you to spend that much because they know it's not going to convert. So Amazon knows all the metrics from the front end to the back end. So you got to have a product that, that converts. Sure. So if you had to pick, you know, one thing that you see brands doing wrong the most often? What's the biggest mistake you see brands making when it comes to Amazon? If you had to pick one, I know that's probably hard to kind of pin you in there, but if you had to pick one that you see all the time, what would it be? That's a good question there, Dennis. That's a good question. I would probably say that assuming just, I would say that brands just assuming that they're going to have a product on Amazon that it's just automatically going to sell well. They just go into that platform with the wrong expectation thinking that, oh, well, now on Amazon, it's going to sell. And that's just not the case. I mean, there's there's a lot of 
there's a lot of different metrics that come into play there that might make your product successful, might not. And and if it doesn't work in one area, you can find another niche. So I think it's just the ability for for brands to realize that it is a very different animal than they're accustomed to and trying to treat it the same way they've treated everything else. And it's just not the same. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. So in one minute or less, tell me, what's your favorite growth tool or software when it comes to Amazon? When it comes to Amazon specifically or just running my business? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'll give you both. I'll, I'll I'll give you a few things. I would say Asana and Slack have been instrumental in the communication of my business with our all of our different teams. And for Amazon specifically, I would say we've built our own tools now. But I would say out of the gate, we used Managed by Stats. It was a really, really great tool. And maybe Restock Pro, that really helped us. Perfect. So, awesome. Yeah. So we're going to close out here in just a second. But if you had to recommend one book to my audience, what would it be? One book. And you can even have bought it on Amazon. <laughs> You'd allow me to do that? <laughs> sure, no uh, problem. Gosh, the most recent book I bought on Amazon, I think, was Capital Gains from Pixar Upper. And I really liked that book. That was, And they've got a very similar story, actually, as us. So they became a retailer overnight. So it was very interesting. I would read that. And a family-owned business, same way. So, all right, well, listen, that pretty much wraps it up for today, Zach. Tell my audience you know, where they can connect with you and learn more about Squared. Sure. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you guys can always go to our website at squared.com. It is funny. It's funny spelled. So it's Z-Q-U-A-R-E-D, squared. Um, you can always reach out to me via email. So Zach at squared.com. Yeah. And so I'm more than happy to, if anybody has a question about Amazon, just reach out, you know, whether it's a good fit or not, I'm more than happy to, to have a conversation. Any of your friends or my friends, Dennis? Perfect. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. It was good to reconnect and I hope that we can chat again soon. Thank you, Dennis. Take care. Thanks, Zach. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.